Welcome to the Flow State Performance Podcast. Created for those committed to mastery and success. Coming to you from Manly, Australia, we break down the science and philosophy of optimal performance so you can unleash your potential. Welcome to the Flow State Performance Podcast. This is your host, Jero Taylor. And we're already up to episode 45. I can't believe where's the, uh, where's the time gone? How has this happened? I'd just like to uh, shout out and thank all of you who listen regularly to the show. Um, I'm getting a heap of emails every day now uh, from people who are tuning in and loving it. And it just fills my heart with joy. Um, yeah, so thank you. Much gratitude to you. This week uh, is super exciting. I guess it's like a pivotal, a pivotal day. Um, it's our first female guest on the show. Um, not that that should really mean anything. Um, I addressed uh, our lack of... A, a few listeners were saying, Hey, Jiro, um, love the show. Um, it's a sausage party. There's, it's all guys. Where's the chicks? And of course, there's a little bit of a, a tactical reason behind all of that. Um, I guess like when I talk about or think about my, my client base, it is a predominantly male client base. Uh, when I think about... Um, some of the topics that I speak about, then I do feel like uh, some of the content that I deliver um, is really needed uh, in the world, especially by dudes um, who, yeah, for whatever reason, do not necessarily get access to some of the more esoteric, mystical, uh, self-development style content um, that I love talking about. But I made a decision that there is no gender specification on this show. Um, Chicks dig flow, guys dig flow, and uh, that's, it's as simple as that. So I would like to introduce uh, Fuchsia Sims to the show. Fuchsia is a good buddy of mine. She lives in Manly also, and she is the co-founder of Adventure Junkie, which is an amazing new startup app, um, which is going to revolutionize the world. And it's really going to help bring adventure and show the potency of adventure in nature, adventure, cultural adventure, all sorts of adventure. It'll, it'll, I really feel it will give a platform to explore the potency of adventure as a transformative tool to many, many people across the world. So Fuchsia is on the show to talk about her app, uh, but also to talk about how she became this uh, an entrepreneur. And she's, she's still deep in the, uh, in the startup phase, so she's made a lot of sacrifices to get where she is. We talk about the pain and the struggle as part of the process. We talk about how she breaked free, pivoted from a job, a career that she wasn't digging completely. And uh, we really get into the topic of nature, which is so, so close to my heart. And it's really... Really amazing uh, that we talked so deeply about nature and adventure in this show because I'm just preparing, me and my fiance are just preparing the next adventures in our life. Um, so guys, please tune in and get ready to be inspired to book your next trip in nature and uh, to start creating your future. Enjoy the show. Okay, welcome to the Flow State Performance Podcast. This is a momentous day. I have... Um, my first female guest. Oh, that's exciting. I know. This is uh, Fuchsia Sims, uh, the co-founder of Adventure Junkie. And uh, yeah, today we're going to flow through a conversation. I have no idea where it's going to go and what we're going to talk about, but we both share a love of adventure and a few other things. So um, yeah, how are you? I'm very well. Awesome. So just help the audience understand uh, a little bit about what you do. Sure. So... 
I've just recently launched a technology startup called Adventure Junkie. It's an iPhone and iPad app at the moment, and really it's here to help inspire all of you travellers and people out there to want to connect with nature and the world. So think of it as a directory of the most incredible adventures on earth that you can look and find what you might like to do, but also you can contribute and add your own adventures to the platform. Wow. Okay, right. We'll get more into that, but I want to know why, what adventure means to you because you seem to have built your life around it. Ooh, tough question, actually. <laughs> but you're right. I mean, adventure, I think, is all-encompassing, particularly for me. I guess I live and breathe that from how I wake up in the morning and instead of driving to work, I jump in a kayak and paddle over and get my coffee. Yeah, <laughs> I do. I live up in the pit water. Yeah. Um, but I think adventure, you know, it's really deep. From, from a young age, I was always drawn to the outdoors and I was incredibly fortunate when I finished school to find myself in the middle of the Costa Rican jungle where I worked for about 18 months as a river guide. And just through that experience alone for me, I transcended so many of my own, I guess, perceived limits. And I got to heal and, and sit with myself and nature and people to understand the world. And I also got to watch other people's journeys and see how it impacted them and changed their lives, really. Mm. So this was at 18 years old, did you say? This was 18. Wow. So you left home, you went to Costa Rica and you worked as a river guide and what you mentioned, like transcending perceived limits, which is a topic that fascinates me because we all have these perceived limits. <laughs> and I like the way you use the word perceived, these perceptions that we have. What sort of limitations are we talking about? Well, you know, I think being an 18-year-old thinking you can't disappear to the other side <laughs> of the planet and live in a jungle. I mean, I knew, I knew I wanted to do that. I just guess I didn't think it was possible. And even when I went there, I started working with Outward Bound. I did a course to become a guide. Mm. And when I started that course, it was really me just wanting to learn new skills. I never thought by the end of that course that the company was actually going to turn around and offer me a job. I was 19 and I was, mm. you know, leading some big, scary trips down, you know, huge class four or five rivers with yeah. clients. And a lot of my clients were, you know, 30 plus, but they trusted and had a lot of faith in, in me. So that was a pretty big wow. <laughs> transition. What a transformative experience. It was. Yeah. I often think back on, on my life, you know, when you're, when you're thinking, what would have been the transformational moments? And for me, that, that decision for me to go live in a ski resort when I was 18 years old by myself and fend for myself and, you know, for the first time not have a parent cooking, cleaning, all that sort of shit, it's pretty pretty profound it's big it's big isn't it it's big and then to throw in like rivers and things like that that's pretty awesome okay so you obviously had so adventure you must have grown up surrounded by adventure tell, tell me about what it meant when you were younger than 18 I was um I had a really cool childhood you know I, I really love my parents for everything they've given me huge independence and open eyes and that started from a young age I, I am Australian but I was born in the U.S. Both of my parents are academics, so every eight to 12 months, they decide somewhere really interesting and unique to, to yeah. live and collaborate with people from, you know, Africa to Canada to China, you name it. My mother was really always driven by going to exotic places. So that, I guess, gave me a real sense of, of freedom, and I got to experience cultures and connect with children that we didn't even speak the same language, yet we'd still be able to laugh. Yeah. and connect on a different level. And I think I've taken that openness and interest into everything I do. Really? So both both parents academics? Yes, I know. 
I'm so, a little bit different. <laughs> <laughs> did you did you ever feel yourself being steered in in the academic direction by either yourself or your family? Um, I guess what you're exposed to, you don't realise as a child. So I was the dinner parties I, I used to have with them. You know, John Nash would be there and other mathematicians of you know extremely high calibre. Really. <laughs> and so. When I was a little kid, my favorite thing were dinosaurs, but I wouldn't know them by the color or the shape. I'd know all their scientific names. I'd know every single period they came from. So I just <laughs> had a very different, I guess, culture around what I found interesting. Um, so that definitely rubbed off in a, in a good way. And I think my time, it's interesting to reflect on my time in the jungle because I distinctly remember when I thought to myself, I'm so happy and I love watching people change. There's only probably, you know, two, three hundred people every year that I can make an impact with. And it was around that time when I decided to come back to Australia. At the time, I was actually studying externally. So living in a jungle and rushing back for weekends to finish assignments was pretty interesting. So for my last six months of my degree, I decided to come back and really focus and try and change the world in a different way, make more of an impact. And what sort of impact were you thinking back in those days? I mean, because this is a pretty young age to be thinking about impact I think I was thinking about like how much beer I can drink and (laughs) you know maybe how much fun I can have on a surfboard or something I don't think I was thinking about impact in my early 20s I think my experience helped me shape that so when I was in the jungles I was watching you know and and I call them children because their mentality was quite childlike but they could be you know late 20s or early 30s and they'd have drug habits or they just were you know, had too much money given to them at a young age. They had no drive. And I just watched how they were affected in a negative way from their past and the way they left as individuals. And I thought, wow, you know, what can I do to get, I guess education information is power. So how can you share great experiences and take people outside their comfort zone? Yeah. And I think you do that through, I don't know, sharing stories, social media, using technology that's available. Yeah. I don't think I knew where it was going to take me, but I knew that I could definitely have more of an impact than, than yeah. hanging out with my raft and a paddle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what happened then? So, so what did you do at university, and um, what was it? What was the shift then in terms of trying to expand or accelerate the, the impact that you had? So I studied international marketing, and at the same time, I couldn't stay away from nature, so I doubled up as a, a guide at <laughs> yeah. the same time, always juggling multiple hats. Yeah, and that kind of led me down a path into a much more corporate world. So from that point, I really, you know, invested a lot of time in my studies and marketing and I loved branding. I was really fascinated by, you know, shifting brands from what they used to be and transitioning them into something new and more exciting. Um, And that led me down a path when I'd finished uh, my first degree that I wanted to go and study more in terms of international marketing and business and a new kind of buzzword that was out, which was called the experience economy. So that took me over to Denmark. I finished there at the Copenhagen Business School and the experiential marketing and the experience economy was, was the core area that I kind of yeah. really connected with. Okay, so the experience economy, I can see how all these dots in your past are all <laughs> It's connected. like a ladder, isn't it? <laughs> it is, it is, it is. But it's all like a consciously crafted life. That's what it looks like to me. Um, I had no control at the time. <laughs> <laughs> it was just pure luck. That's it. Pure fate. You just followed where the wind blew you. Literally. So, so uh, the experience economy. So is, tell me more about that. So if we go kind of, I guess, historically back in time, there was a time where people were making decisions purely based on a product. You mm-hmm. know, you knew you needed a jacket, so you'd go out and you'd get a jacket. Mm-hmm. That was about as far as it kind of went. 
then we saw a transition into service and the and the way that you know a brand or the people you may meet within a store would change and influence what jacket you would buy. Yeah. And I guess the next layer on top of that is the the whole experience, and that's where you almost take yourself and imagine yourself in the ski fields wearing that jacket. Um, and very much the whole experience you have with the brand right through from making the decision to purchase to beyond. Yeah. I don't know yeah. if that makes sense. but No, 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 that makes that makes perfect sense. Yeah, I, it, it kind of ties into a lot of the, the way I see the world in terms of how we can soak in more of a positive experience so say say we have say we go to the jungle and we go whitewater rafting and we have the most amazing time ever then we can either just let that sink in on a surface level oh we had a good time yeah i went rafting it was cool or we can like we can train ourselves to let it soak into our consciousness in a far deeper way so that we absorb it more in an embodied way so we actually feel the emotions around it we feel it in our body pulsing through us um, and that's what comes to mind when you start talking about the experience economy rather than just a tangible product exactly I mean we're seeing a huge change I mean I know I feel it personally we're seeing big trends support this but we no longer define ourselves by the, the brands and products we buy it's more about the experiences we have and who we have them with you, you have experiences with a brand it's not because of a brand anymore and there's a mm. big shift now in terms of how you emotionally connect to those Oh, that's really interesting. I think um, I find it fascinating that you had this fascination with with branding at a young age because I think when I was when I was when I was that age, you know, I, I too was really into outdoors and adventures and things like that, and very much connecting with nature. And I remember like having this subconscious distaste for anything to do with marketing mm-hmm. because I saw it as creating a facade. Um, and maybe that's obviously just a story that I wished that, that I created at the time. But uh, you seem to have had a fascination with with the, maybe it's the more authentic. Uh, I think that's exactly it. I think it's sharing stories. I saw so many genuine businesses and operations, particularly in the travel space, that would get no cut through or awareness. They wouldn't know how to do it. They didn't know how the importance of what their consumer wanted. So, for example, if... Um, I'm a mother and want to send my 18-year-old off onto an expedition, I'm probably going to go for something big and mainstream because I understand the reputation of that brand. Yeah. Whereas if you found this niche, beautiful homestay that you could do, you know, in the mountains of, I don't know, the Tapuis, yeah. you would probably not necessarily send your 18-year-old there because you don't have the same trust and they wouldn't really have a brand or a website or an identity to, to share that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think you're right. The authenticity behind branding is something that I found very powerful and I've really had a genuine love for really getting into the DNA of what a brand is and why it's different and the benefits. I mean, there's, there's no point marketing things just for the sake of marketing. You've got to figure out who your audience is and real, really talk to the right people. And I think it's quite strategic and it's fun. I've always loved it. I don't know why. It's just drawn to it. Is it the do, – do you get into the, like the, the, the data-driven side, the analytic side of all that stuff, or is it more around the – the message and the you know the the juicy kind of point of difference that the brand character stands for. That's why I've got a business partner. He is a data nut. He loves <laughs> right, the data, right, right. the analytics, the strategy. <laughs> you know, my, my startup's been around for three years, and we spent the first twelve months being a very data rich organization. Right. And so we looked at you know 
three massive global trends happening and how that could impact everything else. And um, so I have a love for it. I'm not a researcher myself. I know that there's a place mm. for those type of things to make decisions. Mm. Uh, but I'm such a gut feeler. Really? Such a gut feeler. Okay. I did a, a beautiful uh, job up in Arnhem Land. So one of my, my biggest passions is cultural tourism. Mm-hmm. And so when I first started Adventure Junkie, we were a marketing agency and we morphed into this technology. Mm-hmm. So the first client we had as an agency was up in Arnhem Land and it was working with all the Yolnu people up in that mm-hmm. area to unite them uh, into having sustainable tourism for all their future generations. Mm-hmm. And it was a project that was very much driven by the Yolnu. They'd actually come to the white man and said, hey, we really need help to understand how you think mm-hmm. and help us communicate our message. So a beautiful gentleman called John Morse, who is actually the chairman of Adventure Junkie, he asked Nigel if he would be interested in working on this job up in the Arnhem yeah. Land region. And we said yes, and we went straight up there and we did this incredible brand work for them. And we came back after listening to them and seeing what they loved and, and didn't love and didn't connect with. And we put you know five or six options together from a design point of view. And very quickly we realized, why are we designing in Sydney? We should be in Arnhem Land with the artists. So we went up there and a few more options came forward and everyone kind of was drawn towards this one. And I sat there and I said, no, it's got to be the only one. It's got to be this particular one. And in the end, we went full circle. No one really knew why, but mm-hmm. it just happened to be this one. And it was just purely a connection. Yeah. And Fantastic. Sorry, I'm obviously passionate about no, this. No, no, no. I, wa- I, I want to get into uh, gut feel, intuition, okay. flow states. It's all a very, it's a subject close to my heart. But I want to talk for now about this uh, cultural tourism. Hmm. Um, how, do, how does this correlate to, to, to your love of adventure? And, and, you know, you obviously have a passion for using, ad, not using, but allowing adventure to be, you feel in your life it's had some sort of transformative experience, transformative effect, Right. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm putting, putting words in your mouth. And uh, what what is it about adventure that connects with cultural tourism in the smorgasbord of your life? Uh, so well, I guess I'll rewind and say, well, how do I define adventure? Really? Yes, please. And the way that I look at adventure and you know, several other people out there feel the same way. And it's an experience that combines... You being immersed in nature, some form of physical activity, or particularly a cultural engagement or an exchange. And I think one of the richest exchanges and adventures you can have is with a foreign culture, whether it be sitting in Turkey drinking tea or up on a mountaintop with an Ethiopian Ethiopian tribe. It's very much a case of sharing and sharing stories and understanding different things. So for me, culture is, you know, everyone's got beautiful beaches. Everyone's got amazing mountains. Everyone's got this. Everyone's got that. But what is the thing that is really unique? And it's it's people. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Okay, so so cultural exploration is very much part of adventure to you. It's very all, much. You know, it's almost one of the same thing. Yeah. So for you, that like adventure, we're not talking. Your definition of adventure isn't limited to let's go base jumping and skydiving and climbing up mountains. That's just one avenue. Of that's, adventure. that's definitely one avenue. There's, you know, much more spiritual connection um, and cultural. But I mean, and I, I'm, I'm a myriad of all of those things. You and are, aren't you? I think I just, yeah. 
how cool to go and put a backpack on and hike through crocodile-infested places and have <laughs> amazing stories with locals and have women teaching you all their, their histories about, you know, the ancient world of stars that go back 60,000 years. I mean, it's all kind of tied together. I'm fully with you on this one, but it's, it's not the world that I see when I, when I, when I go out there. And, no, uh, it's not. And so, and what's fascinating to me is when people... You know, you and I both grew up in a relatively similar environment in that we were educated in a first world country and then we went to university and then we had an episode, we had experience in the corporate world. Now, a lot of people get stuck there and then the path that is laid before them feels like the only track that they can be on for, for, for whatever reason it is, fears, insecurities, um, things like that. But how did you ride this track of the corporate world and, and still maintain con congruency with who you are? I found it very hard. I am not designed to be sitting behind a desk in a... Actually, I don't think I ever wore a suit, let's face it. I was in marketing. I was always like <laughs> creative and wild with feathers in my ear. Um, no, I did. I found that very hard. And I think the choice of even just brands I used to work on, you know, they just didn't yeah. satisfy my soul. And I'm exceptionally lucky that I, I realized at the age of about 24 or 25 that I didn't want to do that anymore I wanted to do something for myself and it was scarier to stay than to go really and that's probably more to do with my upbringing like yes you, you speak we had a very similar background in terms of the types of things mm. we did but I also feel that for me I was always in a state of transition and mm. being still and and not being out my comfort zone I really mm. I don't cope so well so the longest place I have ever lived is in Sydney and I've probably been here for about seven years up until that point, I was, you know, here for two years, here yeah. for three years. Yeah. Um, I travel still a lot now, but I would say it's home here. Yeah. So, so, your, so, so your learned behavior from your upbringing was one of changeability, hmm. flexibility. People often call me a chameleon. Yeah. I, do, I do that. It's not that I yeah. innately change, but I can very easily adapt to my surroundings and I love learning from them. I guess yeah. that's really why Adventure Junkie came about is that yeah. I, I saw it as a tool to help more people do that. You know, yes, I'm using technology to do that, but technology is what everyone is using to make decisions on. So yeah. why not give them a product that they can change their behaviors, even if it's incrementally? Yeah. You know, yeah, one day yeah, you yeah. might want to go to the Blue Mountains, put a backpack on for a day walk. Yeah. In two years' time, you're, you know, you're climbing, you know, the Annapurna circuit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's, let's go more into I, I understand that for you making a transition from corporate world to uh, basically being the master of your own destiny... It, you, what you said before was quite illuminating. It was scarier <laughs> not to do it than to do it. Let's, let's, let's go deeper into that. So was there fear when you, before you gave up the salary um, and basically decided to become an entrepreneur? Yeah, look, it was a, a really interesting time of my life in terms of where I wanted to go. And it's a little bit like a frog in hot water. As much as I have always felt the need that I need to keep moving and I'm, I'm really okay with the challenge, the fact that I'd been in the corporate world for five or six years, it had kind of diluted my need or want to keep on moving. So I had to kind of remember my roots again to be able to do that. So I think it's a big task to get out your comfort zone at oh, times. Yeah. And there was also, I think I was at that age where you probably think you're a little bit more important than you actually are. You feel like... You're not, you know, you're not expendable and you put so much love and care into clients. How do you let them go? How will they cope without you? Yeah. <laughs> There's that whole 
feeling behind it as well. You but mean you mean you tell lies to yourself? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and uh, I, I wish I wish I just you know could, I wish the version of myself today could have met myself back then. But I actually believe the path that I took and the length of time that I needed to get through it because it probably went on for about eighteen months. But I needed that experience to really value yeah. what I'm doing now. Well, what what would current day future say to past future? What are you doing? <laughs> Hurry up. <laughs> Shut the laptop. Get out there and give it a go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is also a good thing for me to remember of myself today. We still get stuck in certain modes and thoughts and, once again, those limits that we perceive we have. Um, it's amazing, isn't it, when you consider that the only constant in nature is inconstant. It's exactly. like change. That's the, that's the only thing that you can rely on is that everything changes in nature. And yet... So many of us create these lives where we get these comfort zones and we get these pillars of stability in our life. And then the idea of stepping beyond or outside of these things suddenly becomes terrifying. But that really is the only natural choice. And it's how we learn. Yeah. You know, we always talk about fear is is one way to look at things. And yes, you have to go in with, I guess, a balanced rationale of what that means and and what you need to be aware of in your day-to-day life. But if you Mm. don't do it, what are you missing out on? And you know the classic quote: "You you never regret the things you you sorry. You always regret the things you didn't do." Yeah, that's right. That's right. Or another one: "You miss a hundred percent of the shots you never take." That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, just backtracking: um, a frog in hot water. That metaphor is all about how the temperature of the water raises, and the frog doesn't know it. Yeah, he thinks he's, he's that... like, "Oh, this is nice. I'm in a spa bath." <laughs> and then right. Before you know it, he just he's it's got too hot for him, and he hasn't jumped out yet. Oh, I can so relate to that. Mm. That is the corporate trap. Totally. You know, you, you get in there. You're, oh, my salary. Oh, next year I'm getting a 10 grand pay rise. Oh, yeah. I'm getting 10 more days holiday if I just get my next promotion. Oh, I'll just get a transfer to this place and then everything will be all right. And you're just selling to yourself. Yeah. And putting off, well, a lot of times, putting off hopes and dreams and things like that. And I think then when you do have any kind of downtime, you're just so busy recovering from all of these things you've set yourself up for, mm. that you don't really get to think about yourself. You know, mm. That's the power of nature, to, to sit there and really be and, and think about who you are and what you want to be. And that's an important time. And this world, we don't have enough time. Mm. That's not true. We have the time. We choose not to make it. We're too busy right. on our social media or making connections with other things, distracting ourselves from ourselves. Yeah, we have nothing but time. Mm. It's all we've got, you know. It's but it's yeah, you're right. It's choice, isn't it? So, what was the catalyst? When when did you say right? I choose a different path. So I was working at an agency in Surrey Hills, and working big long hours for someone else, and just feel, like I said, I was just working on clients that didn't really feed my soul um, and I actually think my business partner who I worked with at the time he was he was ready to move into it much faster than I was and a bit of that momentum dragged me through it it's very hard if you're on your own that's the other big learning that I have like having a teammate and someone that believes in what you're doing and we didn't know exactly what we were going to do all we knew is that we had a love for the outdoors and nature and we had some very good green morals behind us and we were working pretty damn hard for someone else, Mm. why not do that for ourselves? Mm -hmm. So it was more that realization when I started to actually value myself is probably the mental shift that changed. And also that feeling of I'm letting that other person down, you know, so. Mm. That's interesting. So valuing yourself. So 
Something I still struggle with, to be honest, but well, I think we all do. I think my, my philosophy on valuing oneself or accepting oneself or loving oneself is that it's, it's our lifelong practice, hmm. really. You know, I, when people talk about getting somewhere or reaching enlightenment, I just, I just kind of like inwardly smile. Because I just know that there's there's, there's not a, like this promised land that you get to, and then and then everything's sweet, and you just order, order margaritas and just chill by the pool. <laughs> it's like you're always going to be working on that because there's always going to be shit that comes up that bites mm. you in the ass, isn't there? But but you obviously reached a point, a, a tipping point of self acceptance or self validation, which is always an interesting place to explore. Because what I see is keeping a lot of people trapped out there. And, and what, you know, one of the reasons why I run this podcast and why Flow State is Flow State is because I feel passionate about helping people and empowering people to transition from a life where they feel trapped by their own limitations mm. and live a life of freedom and authenticity. So what, like what is it that allowed you to reach that tipping point of saying oh i am i am enough i am worth it i think sometimes it does come to unhappiness you know really going really not i didn't even feel like myself at times mm. i didn't even know why i was doing what i was doing all i wanted to do was run away back to a jungle mm. you know and i think that sometimes that total inner disappointment and sadness is enough to go life is so short yeah what are you going to do like i've got all the power to make the decisions and I think sometimes some of the situations that we're in we feel like we don't actually have the power but we all need to stop and go you know what you do you're the only person that can actually make a difference so what are you going to do with it (laughs) that's right that's right so so unhappiness were you feeling pretty shit when you were working I was exhausted yeah um I felt undervalued yeah um I just and I I wasn't doing what was true to me and that I've read a really um great quote that said you know true happiness is when you say what you think and what you do are the same thing yeah oh, and i was yeah. not doing those things at all oh, that um, resonates massively like the for, for me that when i was still you know stuck in the in that life of inauthenticity when i was pretending um it was exhausting <laughs> Wearing the mask was exhausting. Selling to myself was exhausting. Yeah, yeah. I remember like like hustling. Like I was, you know, when you wear a suit, you tend to walk really fast for some reason because you think you kind of think you're important and you're you're under this time pressure. I should wear suits more often because I'm always late. <laughs> so I remember catching a glimpse of myself in the reflection of a mirror of a shop window, a bank window, and I was just like, oh my god, who is that? There was like I could see this clear dichotomy between like something authentic within me and this caricature that I was playing and it was like a stopping in my tracks moment and uh, I think like for people who are listening out there who are feeling like yeah that's me I am struggling I am I am kind of feeling like I'm selling out then I think that one of the key messages here is that sometimes you just have to go through that you have to like feel the shit you have to like hit the bottom so you can bounce bounce up or spring off it I totally agree with you because I think that that is a massive catalyst to shift you. And then when you make that shift, you're so much more grateful and understanding. Like I can't ever imagine working for anyone else ever again. Mm. Yeah. Ever. Me neither. And you know, sure. I've made different financial sacrifices. You know, I'm, I'm a startup. I earn no money right now. I've poured my heart and my soul and all my capital into my business. I've 
just moved back home and I'm living yeah. with my dog and my parents, you know, it's <laughs> there's big sacrifices that, that come, but huge, huge personal reward. Yeah. And I think going back to something you touched on earlier, it's, you know, oh, what's enough? Oh, that next promotion, that next thing, that next mm. thing. And we often just tie it into the current path we're on. Mm. But I think it's really important to set that goal out there that's like, okay, I'm going to really review myself at the end of 2017. Mm. And if this, this, and this hasn't changed, what am I then going to do about it? Don't let that be a timeless role because you can mm. always justify it and put the next thing out there to keep you going. Mm. But you really need to measure yeah. what you want and yeah. set that up. Mm. Um, yeah, that's really interesting. So, so you're basically talking about um, – almost zooming out on your life so that you've got a higher perspective on where you are, what you're currently doing and how that plays into your goals and your dreams in your life. Because when you're stuck in it, when you're in the mm. shit, when you're in the hustle, like you got no perspective. Like you forget your dreams. You start you start downsizing your dreams, don't you? Yeah, you just have you you don't have the kind of expansion of the mind. It's yeah. it's interesting when we first started Adventure Junkie, which was about 4 years ago now. Um, I said to my business partner, all right, on the 3rd of March, 2017, I'm going to meet you at Mount Fitzroy. No matter what transpires between now or then, whether we're still in business, whether we're successful, whether we've had a huge feud between us and gone our separate ways, I will be at the bottom of that mountain on that date. Hmm. And it was something that through the great times we would laugh about, through the really it's it's really challenging when you've just got two egos working together and mm -hmm. you think you're right and they think they're right and what who's going to mediate that yeah <laughs> um but the mountain would be the mediator really we just go what do i want that relationship to be like when i'm at that mountain and it's, it's amazing because that mountain is i'm going to be at it in under 12 months time from now and yeah. i can't believe i've gotten here because that felt so far away at the time yeah but literally it's going to be here tomorrow interesting that's a fantastic uh, illustration of setting a almost a symbolic goal mm. but attaching some but also very tangible very tangible very as well, tangible yeah. which I think you need to help you move things mm. forward and give you your own perspective mm. so you've talked about nature a couple of times or we, we both have you know I think when, when both of us talk about adventure nature is is really implicit within that mm. Um, for me, like one of the big themes that I talk about um, on every, everything that I do is the fact that we are, in, we are nature and that when we are immersed in nature, it allows us to express our full nature, our inner nature. That's, that's what I feel. Mm. And the effect that nature, just being in wilderness, being in places untouched by the hand of man, they, they enliven something within me. The caveman. Yeah, the caveman. Absolutely. <laughs> he comes back. Yeah, he comes back. He comes back. That, pr that yeah, that primal kind of raw, instinctual creature. Because mm. we are like, I feel like so many people forget that we are just wild creatures, mm. just living tame existences in silly suits. In silly suits, in, in silly <laughs> cuboid apartments with silly furniture and all this sort of stuff. Not all of it's silly. Like I quite like my yeah, podcasts are really important. Podcasts <laughs> are really important. Yeah, and so are they MacBook are. Pros and and uh, cameras. They're really important. But um, yeah, tell me about nature and 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 your your relationship with nature. If that question makes sense. Oh, it makes complete sense. Uh, really timely. Um, you bring that up actually because I've just returned from a month's trip over in the Nordic region. Um, so that's Sweden, Norway, Iceland, Greenland, that whole northern belt up in the Arctic Circle. So we were over there for our international launch with one of our partners in Sweden. 
and we got to spend, yeah, three or four weeks just traveling around that whole region, meeting with different clients. But we did it in Adventure Junkie style, and that's where we take a little bit extra time and jump in a car and disappear into the mountains. And so really being connected to the earth is so empowering. And we came across a very ancient Nordic word when we were in that region, and it's called free Luftsliv. <laughs> <laughs> Have you heard of that? No, I, no, I don't know. How would I use it in a sentence? <laughs> I think you and I embody free Luftsliv. I love that. Yeah? Free Luftsliv. And it, the literal translation is free air living. Ah. Oh. But it's, it's more powerful than that, mm. and it's a common word that unites that whole part of the world. And its essence is really returning to nature is returning home. How beautiful is that? Mm. And I just, you know, I really feel that in my heart. That's exactly what nature brings and means to me. And I can obviously see by your face that's what yeah. exactly what it means to you and anyone else out yeah. there listening that that resonates with, well, you need to pack up your bags and go and have a night under the stars because it just recharges your soul. It sure does. It sure does. And I know that Future and I like really share this common love for just sleeping under the stars and going off into the mountains and, and whatever it is. I feel like it's almost like a personal responsibility if you mm. want to experience the full the full human experience, which, which is all obviously about freedom, unlimited freedom. If, if we are to experience that, we almost have this responsibility to ourselves to, to reacquaint ourselves with nature, with the natural world. And nature is always uncertain. That is why it's an adventure. Mm. You know, you don't know what you're going to see. You might have an expectation of what you might, but mm. I guarantee you nine times out of ten, the moon will be brighter than you thought, or hidden, and the stars are brighter than you thought. There's, there's always something that, that comes, um, and actually a lot of things that comes are your own epiphanies mm-hmm. and the own time you spend with yourself to figure out what's really truly going on in there because otherwise you don't get much time. Oh, man. Like there's, there's such a, for, for me as a, as a meditation teacher and someone who helps someone, people like train their, their awareness and you know, walk a spiritual path, the best definition, when someone says, oh, what's meditation all about? I use the exact word that you use to say what's 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 nature all about, and to me, meditation is all about coming home, mm. coming free Luftslip. Yes, it's all about that. <laughs> it is. It's all about like awakening this this the, the feeling that you get when you come home from a long time of traveling, and like you you put your bags down, and you put the kettle on, and you and you take your boots off, and you lie down or whatever, and you just feel like this sense of oh, I'm home. Mm. And uh, that's the feeling that nature helps us have. And the, the, the opposite feeling is just like constantly being on the move, running, hustling, struggling. And I feel like that is the state that so much of our, of our culture is in. They're in this hustle mode. Mm. And nature is therefore the most powerful antidote to come out of that hustle mode. Because you can't, like the moment... Sometimes it takes me two days to settle into nature, three days, you know, yeah. when, you know what I mean? I know exactly what you mean. And yeah. that's, that's when the mo- normal person comes home. Yes. You know, it's like, oh, I've just taken my little weekend away and whoop, straight back into it. Yes. And then yeah. you're in no man's land for a little while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you've never actually like natured yourself. You're still like on the timetable. You're still like got that impulse to check your Facebook updates. But it's only like after deep immersion in nature, isn't it? Totally. I think there's going to be a 
my prediction for travel in the future is there's going to be something called bifilus. Yeah. And it, it already exists. Yeah. Just how can you get to these pockets where you're not touched oh. by anything to do with nature? Totally. It's really interesting, actually, today. So on our app, we get users to add adventures. And we got an adventure added today by someone over in the Lakes District. And apparently there's a youth hostel that's about, I don't know, several hours walk up into the mountains there. And you can't make a booking. There's no cell phone range. There's no Wi-Fi. There's nothing. But apparently you get the best home-cooked meal when you arrive. <laughs> but you know, you've got to take the risk that there's, there's beds there. But it's yeah. like getting into those areas where yeah. you've got to be detached and removed. It's actually when you become most connected. Oh, absolutely. The irony, hey? <laughs> the irony, the paradox, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, so anybody listening here, take this as your call from the universe to book that trip or just pack up your swag and go, go find some bush. Um, yeah, just get out to nature. So tell me, Fuchsia, like what's, what, what is your vision with uh, Adventure Junkie? Mm, so... Look, what I really want is a huge global community of like-minded souls, a bit like you and I, who have a real love and respect for, for nature, for culture, for the empowerment that adventure really truly brings you, and very authentic. So it's, it's really wanting to find from everyone out there what are the greatest places that Earth has to offer. Mm. and making it accessible and easy for more people to find. So instead of when we travel, we all go to the same, you know, iconic one place. Mm -hmm. No one really knows that just around the corner was an even more beautiful waterfall mm -hmm. or that perfect sunrise setting. Mm -hmm. uh, we often find out about that when we come home. <laughs> mm -hmm. But the big vision is really to unite the skydivers, the climbers, the hikers, the kayakers into kind of the one area where they can contribute and connect with one another. Mm. So, you know, being a startup now, there's obviously limited functionality that our product has, but we have really grand visions around how that really becomes, lack of a better word, the RSVP of adventure. So yeah. how do you find the right people doing interesting things or even RSVP with nature? What, where does your soul want to go and how do we match that yeah. together? But driven yeah. very much by the world. Love it. Love it. I mean, the... How adventure and nature and culture, these are all powerful, transformative powerful force. <laughs> force, aren't they? Yeah. They are. Like when you look at the, you know, the problems that we face widely in culture, but also the individual small niggly challenges that we all face in, hum uh, in our culture, just trying to, trying to be successful in life. There's so much to be said for just seeing how another culture operates. Completely. Seeing how nature operates. Like some of the biggest lessons I've learned in my life have been just sitting in the forest and watching how trees go about their business. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. This is like, oh, fuck. They're not hustling, but they seem to be growing. And they're not forcing it, but they seem to be thriving. Mm. And they seem to be connecting and sharing with their ecosystem. And just realizations like that have profoundly shifted my life. So We're well, seeing a huge trend even. Like, look at what's going on in the corporate world. You know, a lot of sea levels mm. are being taken out their environments and wanting to engage their top staff uh, and executives in a different foreign place because it makes them removed from everyday problems. Mm. But it also massively changes perspective. So you can be sitting in a boardroom all you like, having the same conversations and going nowhere, but these profound experiences that you connect and even connect on a really personal level. You know, this world is we're so guarded with who we really are. Mm. But I think we really flourish when we kind of, you know, let our guard down mm. and, and take the time to understand ourselves and each other. And mm. adventure definitely does that. It does, it does. So you're, so you're a startup entrepreneur in, um, 
startup phase, which I know is like fully intense. <laughs> and you just described before how much you've thrown in, in terms of sacrifice. So talk to me about what balance means to you and, and how, you, how you navigate this. Balance is a really hard thing to do. Um, and until you almost lose balance and are forced to find it, often you don't. And over the last few years, yeah, I've had some massive highs. I've had some hard lows. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't change anything, and I've learned an extraordinary amount. I have a fantastic group of people around me that kind of help pull my head up out the water. But I've kind of lost my train of thought for my Well, with balance, you... Balance. I know that um, you can just topple over and you start doing these 100-hour weeks or 80-hour weeks until they, you, you create a new normal. And so many of my clients who are entrepreneurs just think that that's just what you've got to do. Like, so do you, do, you, do you feel like there's a way to succeed as an entrepreneur without... Doing that. Yeah, no, doing sorry. This. So what I was going to say is, and I almost, I've got a little white flag that I like to raise. Yeah. Business partner and I kind of do it with each other where, you know, it could be the simplest little task or the silliest little energy between the two of us. Yeah. But without it going too far, we have this kind of, we're very reflective on ourselves. And yeah. I think that you have to really look after yourself, particularly in a partnership. It's, it's kind of, it's much easier because someone can pull you up. But if you're working on your own, you've got yourself, you've got to really listen to, and that's hard. Yeah. But this little white flag helps me go, okay, I'm actually a normal human being. There's probably a reason I'm tired. Yeah. There's probably a reason I'm not eating or sleeping well. And just, it's only kind of in the last six months that I've been much better at listening to that. Up yeah. until that point, I would run myself into the ground and I wouldn't, I wouldn't even be forgiving as to why I was feeling like that. Mm. And picking up on the, the patterns mm-hmm. is very important. Mm. But an ongoing learning because... Fully ongoing and, and I'm still learning it myself. Yeah. I mean, I've, I think I burnt myself out twice last year yeah. and uh, almost yeah, had, to, had to experience that um, to learn from it, I think. Well, that's when you know it's going to happen. Yeah. And I think unless you know how far you can push yourself, and you also then see the consequences if you go too far, you're super unproductive. You're better off just showing the laptop and going off on that camping trip. Fully. Or doing something to recharge you. Otherwise, yeah, you can spend keep spending those hundreds of hours, but they're not productive. Yeah. And that's something I definitely feel within myself. Mm. So I'm going to put you on the spot with a couple of questions, but I, the, the aim is just to see what flows out of you without much thought. But what do you feel is... A life well lived. How do you define success? Because there's a there's a cultural definition of success, which seems to be about I don't know BMWs and mansions <laughs> on the beach or whatever. Um, what does it mean to you? I feel like I'm a pebble that's been dropped into some water, and that ripple effect that I want to have is genuine happiness and growth of the people around me. Mm. I feel that I have a beautiful community of friends of family of peers of even you know business partner and I feel like we all support each other and success is being kind and true to yourself and mm. following your own dreams because if you don't you actually impact all those other rings around you mm. and it's that's important a, not to impact the world mm. that's beautiful so contribution being part of this network that you're, that you're within and also feeding yourself mm. that's what it sounds like Wow, that's awesome. All right, uh, Fuchsia, final question. Talk to me about what flow means to you. Like you've done a lot of adventures in your life. Um, and when I talk about flow, you know, I, you can either talk about the 
that particular state of mind, or you can talk about the the flows that you have in your in your life. But what is it? What does that concept mean to you? Flow in a in a strange way is almost like that true peak performance, that genuine when it's when it's not hard to be doing what you're doing, when you're just loving it and immersed in it and whatever it is you're doing, whether it's, you know, writing a proposal or, you know, snowboarding down a mountain, you are just there mm-hmm. in the moment of something. Mm. Uh, I think that it's something I really try and practice to just be mm-hmm. quiet in my mind. Mm-hmm. And it's also something that is probably the hardest place to get yourself. It is, isn't it? Which is another reason why adventure is so bloody wonderful. Because like sometimes it just takes us to that place. It I think takes... it always does, but you just got to yeah. give it the time and the frequency. It's important. You can't do them in these little bursts. Yes. You just got to continue. I think everyone needs a goal. You know what I mean? Goals are interesting. Yeah. Goals, passion. Bucket lists. I love my bucket list. They're just like it always seems to grow. I tick a few things off and I collect ah. about fifteen other more things. In do you my actually travels. keep a running list? I do. I do, do. you? Uh, on paper, or you got some document? And my little app actually does it. Oh, now. really? It has like. Put all my little things in there. Oh, really? It's so good. Nice, very nice. All right. Well, it's been wonderful chatting with you. So everybody can find out about Adventure Junkie where. Um, how um, do you can find check it? us out on the website. So Adventure Junkie and it's J U N K Y dot com, mm-hmm. um, or jump onto the Apple Store and you can download the app. Sorry, Androiders, that is coming very soon. We're just working on that at the moment, but. Awesome. Well, love thank you. Everyone's feedback as well. Okay, thank feedback. You for listening. Thanks for coming on the show. And uh, yeah, it's been lovely, lovely chatting with you. Well, guys, I hope you enjoyed the show. And I think you probably agree that Fuchsia is awesome. And so is Freeluftschliff, this uh, ancient Nordic philosophy. It's blowing my mind. I love it. It embodies the idea that returning to nature is returning home. And that's what I stand for so hard. So, guys, I hope you got some value out of that conversation with Fuchsia. I know I did. It was amazing to hear her story. Um, the process of breaking free from a career path that you're not digging. I feel like there's so much power and potency in hearing other people's stories. It's not a linear path. It's not, often it's not just this instant decision or this, this breaking point. Often it requires us to, to go back to who we really are, to develop this self-knowledge, to remember our roots. What is it that we loved when we were kids? And is the path that I'm on right now congruent with, with that, with who you really are? So that sort of process that Fuchsia went on to design the life that she loves now. And uh, she certainly inspired me. And since this conversation, uh, which is a couple of days ago now, I've just been thinking nonstop about adventure and nature. And um, it's such a beautiful reminder that nature is coming home. And uh, adventure is this powerful force in our lives, if we choose it to be, to come alive and to live the lives of our dreams. So guys, um, tune in for the next episode. If you're digging the content, uh, please share. Please go to iTunes and and review and rate it because it really helps me spread the message, spread these flow state vibes to more people. Um, If you've got any questions, shoot me an email to jiro at theflowstatecollective.com. Don't forget to share it with your mates. And uh, thank you so much for listening. And we'll be back next week with another episode of the Flow State Performance Podcast. See ya. Thanks for listening to the Flow State Performance Podcast. Check us out at www.flowstateperformance.com for more inspiration to unleash your potential.